When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But yeah, dude, got the call today. Got to go back to Ohio, man. So I'm uh, <laughs> headed up there for the weekend, fortunately. Yeah. You uh, violated be, your parole or something? Yeah, I guess so. I thought I was done. I thought I was out of the woods, man. But uh, no, no such luck. But uh, anyway, hopefully it's not snowing uh, this weekend. But uh, welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Big Skin Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm back to civilization after uh, being out in the weeds for a couple of more weeks. Eric, that seems like a trend, man. I appreciate you stepping up and, uh, you know, flying solo to host last week, man. Uh, it, yeah, it worked out well. Uh, shout out again to Coach Goggins for taking the time to come on. Yeah, it was it was an interesting conversation. It was a good time. It, it, was, it, was. it was much more fun than you were probably having that night. Yeah, I wasn't having much fun, but it was a good listen. It was uh, interesting. Good conversation there. Uh, but since, you know, we don't have a ton of news, we decided to get another special guest on. And man, I, this is one of those teams that I'll be honest, like, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I don't have a ton of faith. Like, Eric, you know, last year coming in, we're talking about the Florida Gators this week. Mm-hmm. Coming into last year, I was a little bit higher than you guys were. I believe I took the over on the Vegas total at seven, I believe. And I took them to win eight games. And of course, they did not come through there. They finished six and seven on the year. Kind of a down start, a little bit different than uh, some of the first-year coaches that have come through Florida recently. But uh, I don't know. You guys were a little bit lower on uh, Napier and the Gators than I was. So well, I, figured we would, I would figure we would bring an expert in on this to discuss Florida with us. So we have David Waters with us from Gators Breakdown. Now, David, tell me where – tell the listeners just real quick where we can go and find your show. Yeah, uh, newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown, the TV session I work for, uh, host the site there. But if you want the video version, it lives on YouTube. And then, of course, if you want the uh, audio version on the go, it's on every podcast platform out there. So it's not hard to find. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we don't want to take up a ton of your time today uh, because we know we've <laughs> we've got a couple more things to do tonight. And I'm sure you're busy as well. So first thing I wanted to get into about Florida we all saw the end of last year, like you said, six and seven finish, you know, not a good look in the bowl game there. They had about a third of a roster probably yeah. when yeah. they played Oregon state and it was Felt just like a third. Yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, a really ugly game. Oregon state had their entire team out there and they were playing against a B team. So don't really put much stock in that, but like I was telling Eric kind of, you know, 
the reason I took the over and was a little bit higher on Napier is because we know he's a good recruiter. We know the stuff that he does off the field, you know, the hiring of nutritionists and building new facilities and bringing more money into the program, which is all good things. But my expectations versus the reality were the complete polar opposite. So I guess what is the sort of feeling in Gainesville around expectations versus what we've seen so far reality-wise on the field from Napier and the Gators? Yeah, I think part of that was, and the part I fell into was, overall, I knew the team probably wasn't 9-10 win good unless mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson took off, and I was banking on that. I was banking on Anthony Richardson being a pretty good quarterback for Florida and getting to that probably 8-9 win range. And hey, look, that, and if you kind of go to the season, they had that big win over Utah, then okay, kind of middled their way through the rest of the season. But then they had the win versus Texas A&M. Then they blew the doors off of South Carolina. All right, they're sitting at six wins with a ton of momentum. You know, it was what thirty-eight to six, I believe, was the final score of beating South Carolina. Okay, yeah, you feeling good about yourself? And then just a week later, they go to Vanderbilt and lay an egg. Uh, and then play a good Florida State team as well as the season season finale and gave Florida State all they could handle. Uh, but still, it, you know, you had a ton of momentum coming off that South Carolina game, and you just could not, for whatever reason, sustain that momentum uh, that they had. So, as you said, it was a very disappointing end to the season because there were so many good feelings in November at one point, and it just come crashing down uh, there. And then, of course, the season ends and a ton of transfers that – Maybe should have happened a year ago. Uh, I think Billy Napier hung on to some guys uh, maybe longer than he should have or some guys maybe even like Billy Napier wanted to give it a chance but end up still finding themselves not really getting as much playing time as they want so ended up transferring anyway. So, you know, of course, in around 30 transfers, transfer away from the program. Uh, but, yeah, I was a little higher on the team itself but mostly because of Anthony Richardson. He didn't live up to the expectations that I put on him last year as well. Uh, still getting a whole ton of draft love uh, coming up. But, yeah, it was – I knew the defense probably wasn't going to be that good. I expected better just because I thought it was mm-hmm. mostly Todd Grantham. I think we found out it was a combination of Todd Grantham and the players. Uh, Patrick Tony was not a miracle worker in his one year at defensive coordinator uh, for, for, for the Gators. But I thought Anthony Richardson would be enough to make up for that bad defense. And look, he had his ups and downs, uh, but ultimately, you know, for Florida, it, uh, you know, they, they just couldn't handle momentum there at toward, toward the end of the year. Yeah. And the ups and downs is really, I mean, Eric, I know you've got a comment on this at points during the season. It was like, we were watching two different players wearing the same number. And I'm talking about Anthony Richardson. Like you would watch him like against Utah. He looks like a Heisman trophy candidate there in the second half, throwing on the run, making people miss, like just looks ridiculous. And then comes out the next week in Kentucky and looks just anemic, terrible. It's like Florida's whole season was like that. So I mean, Eric, I know you've got some comments. Yeah, and you kind of described some of the highs and the lows of the season. And I guess if I had to pick a term or a word to describe 2022 Florida Gators, it would be sort of wishy-washy. And how much of that, I've got my opinions, but how much of that is reflective of how wishy-washy the quarterback play was? Because like Jason's talking about, I I watched the Utah game, and there were times where I I felt like I was watching Vince Young. (laughs) And, And then I also watched... Uh, like the Tennessee game, he even within that game, he was kind of highs and lows. But then, you know, oh, I, watched, yeah. I watched the Vanderbilt game where they go up there and get curb stomped by an awful, <sighs> awful Vanderbilt team. Oh, and it's just like, you know, who even this last game, up this just week? think about the Florida State game, even the last game, he yeah. jumps oh. off, you know, the first half of that game, he's on fire. 
Yeah. And then right at the end of the first half and the second half, he just couldn't get out of his own way. So even his final game as a Gator, it was just the best example of what he really was in his 13-game career. Yeah, it's kind of a microcosm of, of yeah. his his time in Florida. It's, you know, the highs are, and I can see why he's getting uh, some of the draft attention, right? Because his highs are freaking high. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, he is a freakish athlete. And, you know, the, the best case scenario for him is awfully good but man it's yeah and i think when kind of going to your original point i i do think a lot of the team it it, it was that you know and i guess it kind of played out that way i i I put the season on him going into like if florida's going to be a really good team it's just because he's going to go out there and look like he did versus utah and look he goes out there game one and looks that way i'm like okay there we go maybe i was right about this maybe florida is about to go for you know as you said jason it was he was on week one Heisman list, and he right. can. We, we were hearing after week one, can you know Florida challenge Georgia after a big win over Utah? And of course, you know, no, nowhere near that. Uh, but that's just exactly what happened. It was wishy washy. The season was inconsistent because it mostly went with how the quarterback play went. All right. Well, and man, yeah. And we'll we'll touch more on Anthony Richardson before we close out this discussion because I do want to get. Yeah. But speaking of wishy washy quarterback play. Yeah, I do want to get you guys' take on his draft stock as man. Whew, I'm uh, seeing a lot of uh, interesting uh, stuff on the internet about that. But uh, before we get all, to all that, so we talked a little bit about 2022 and kind of a you know how a letdown year as uh, as it were. But talk to me about some of these coaching changes because I'll be honest, David, I have not had the time to sit and dive into the coaching changes at Florida and really grade them myself. Like on you know on a scale of you know A to F, how do you grade some of these coaching changes that they've made, and do you think it you know may help their uh, cause for twenty twenty three? Given the next question we're going to ask, which is Graham Mertz, uh, FYI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Florida's been on the NFL timeline with, with these coaching changes. You know, everybody who has left the program went to the NFL, so it's not like they've made lateral moves to other college programs or or went to other college programs. You know, defensive coordinator. Um, Patrick Tony, we'll start with him, had one year in Gainesville, and now he's off to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Florida has replaced him. That's the only one that they've replaced right now as, as we record this uh, with Austin Armstrong. He was the last two years the defensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Uh, and just to go get in that Nick Saban coaching tree, left his defensive coordinator role at Southern Miss to go be a linebacker's coach at Alabama. And they look, Alabama hired Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator away from Miami, and the thought was – hey, we're going to groom Armstrong to take over for Steele when mm. Steele ends up leaving or retiring because he, he's up there in age right now. He's How much longer he's going to be at Alabama? And he's kind of a journeyman defensive coordinator anyway. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, but it was thought to be of, uh, uh, we're going to groom this guy to be the next up-and-comer d- D.C. Like in the Billy Napier, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban coaching circle, Austin Armstrong is very highly thought of. And he's very highly thought of as this big up-and-comer uh, defensive coordinator. Last two years at Southern Miss, improved their defense uh, right away when he got there. Uh, overall stats probably won't scream at you, really, but really good at creating pressure, havoc, creating turnovers. Uh, and Florida needs that uh, for, for, for their defense. Now, not a lot of pressure last year, not a lot of sacks last year. So I do expect Austin Armstrong to be an improvement over Patrick Tony in, in creating pressure for, for this Gators defense and, and hoping some more of those turnovers come the Gators' way. Uh, but look, I mean it, – it, it's going to be – he's 29 years old. He's a very young defensive coordinator that's mm-hmm. going to be cutting his teeth now in the SEC. 
Luckily, you know, for or thankfully for Florida, he, he's got two years of experience of being a defensive coordinator. He's not going to come in and change the scheme all too much. He was part of Billy Napier's staff in Louisiana uh, before, so he knows Billy Napier's expectations. He knows the lingo. He knows what his head coach wants. So it won't be totally new for him. Uh, but look, you know, Florida kicks off spring practice this week, and he's only been on the job for a few days. Uh, so he's going to have to hit the ground running. Uh, but I do think in some ways it could be an improvement uh, there. I was very disappointed with the defense last year, the third year in a row where Florida just had putrid defense. Yeah, so and that's not, that, some, that's not something you're used to. You, you no. kind of always – I mean, even if Florida has questions at quarterback, even if they have questions at running back or receiver, you're always like, well, at least I don't have to worry about the defense. The secondary right. will be solid, and they'll have freaks that can pass rush. And doesn't seem to be yeah. the case now. So. Definitely not. Definitely not. So um, – that, that gives us for, for, for the defense, Patrick Tony on the way out, Austin Armstrong in. Uh, but another mm-hmm. Arizona Cardinal uh, hire was um, William Pigler, the tight end coach uh, for the Gators. He was a uh, Michigan State running back coach uh, the year before, went to Florida, Billy Napier's first staff. Uh, he's off to the NFL as well. And then probably the one that does hurt the most was Kerry Colbert, the wide receiver coach, goes to the Broncos. He's going to be their wide receiver coach there in the NFL. Uh, he was recruited very well there for the Gators. They brought in three highly touted wide receivers from the class of 2023. I was really looking forward to tying his pedigree of putting guys in the league and developing guys and putting them in the NFL tied with those high-profile recruits, uh, but we won't get to see that. So we're still waiting as we record this, uh, you know, the, uh, Florida to make those replacement hires uh, for Kerry Colbert and for um, and uh, William Pigler. Yeah, clock's ticking for sure. Right, right. I mean, spring so, practice is right around the corner, so you, you'd love to have those guys. I mean, visits to start happening on campus as well, so you'd like to have your coaching staff in place to go coach and to host these visitors when they come up. Yeah, hundred percent. So, oh God, all right. I, you you got to talk to me. Talk some sense into me and Eric because neither one of us, and more so me than Eric, I'm not a Graham Mertz fan. Okay, and I saw something on Twitter yesterday or two day, two three days ago, and I almost like spit my drink out. That said Graham Mertz could be this year's Hendon Hooker, and. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is so unfair to say that about this kid. And uh, look well, at I was talking, to, like I was talking to true freshman wide receiver Andy Jean last week. We we had mm. a, um, a Gator Collective, uh, a kind of meet and greet Zoom with, with members there. And Andy Jean, yeah. wide receiver, he didn't say he was going to be Joe Burrow, but he was saying, hey, if he transfers, you know, it basically, you know, to kind of summarize it, say, you know, a, a new stop can unlock something not necessarily hey he's going to go out there and throw for 40 touchdowns and you know six interceptions mm-hmm. and go win a national championship it was hey maybe 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 a new place is all he needs maybe i don't know so look well, at he it needs the guys, something because yeah. he's got he's turnover not, issues i mean I, not, I, look, yeah. look guys i gotta talk myself into it just a bit too <laughs> I, I was not impressed at all with, with what we saw for graham mertz at wisconsin um yeah, 38 you, to 26, touchdown interception, 127 career rating, 5,400 yards. I mean, it, averaging seven yards an attempt, it's just it's extremely underwhelming. And you lose an athlete like Anthony Richardson, and you're going to replace him with a guy who, if I was willing to bet, if I stretched really well, I could probably run pretty close to what he runs in the 40. So it's, it's, I mean, it's a complete thing. change. It's a complete yeah, change. And, and the thing is, you look at Anthony Richardson's passing stats and Graham Mertz's passing stats – they're really, really close. 
Mm-hmm. Graham Mertz ain't taking the sixty yard run and <laughs> no. and score and score out of anywhere. So, um, yeah. you know, the thing is uh, with him, you, you hope you can unlock something going back and dating back to his high school profile. You know, five star quarterback playing a wide open offense for whatever reason. I guess give credit to Wisconsin for being some good recruiters and then getting him to go play in that ancient offense a bit. A bit. And you hope as a Gator fan. You hope that's what held him back uh, a bit. Now that's no shot at really Paul Chris at all because he's got you know plenty of evidence to prove that he you know he can develop some quarterbacks and put some good quarterbacks out there. Uh, but you know I, I do think Wisconsin didn't really do him any favors. Uh, if you go look and run on first down, run on second down, it's third and six, third and seven. Hey, good luck, go make a play. Uh, yeah, and that's and a lot of what that offense was. Right, and they're not known for having the most dynamic receiving threats at Wisconsin, right. so it's not like he's got a ton to throw to either. So that should right. improve so for him. You hope that maybe leans itself to something to where you can unlock something, but you know that who knows? I think that's kind of maybe wishing a, a bit too much. But you know, Billy Napier identified him early in the transfer portal process and, and brought him in. So certainly see something. I've heard some good things as far as behind the scenes go and off the field goes, but we all know it's going to. <laughs> it's all going to come down to what you can do on Saturdays in the fall. Uh, so, you know, we'll see your spring practice is starting and see how quickly he can insert himself and get used to this Gator offense. Uh, but you do hope, you know, just a, a change of scenery, a new offense that maybe can unlock some potential there. Uh, we, we talked about Anthony Richardson, hey, being, being you know, a level 9, 10 one week and then being a level 3 or 4 the next week. You know, maybe Grant Mertz can get you a consistent six or seven, and at least you know what you got, and you can kind of game plan around that. Uh, but maybe, I think – Right now, that's at the very least what I would probably look for, what I would probably want uh, as a Gator fan is just at least give me something consistent to where, all right, I know this is what I can do. We're either going to win or lose. It's not like, all right, Anthony Richardson, you did this good game. Next week, we're going to let you go out there and throw 40 times, but you can only complete 18 of them. You know, but at least, hopefully, you can set some expectations for what you're getting at the quarterback position with Graham Mertz. Right. And Eric, I know you would agree with this. Like they don't need to ask him to do too much. They don't need to ask him to throw it 40 times a game. They need to still continue with the run. They need to, you know, try to build their offensive line and they need to just focus on don't turn the ball over. Well, and that's the big thing, which is why Graham Mertz gives me pause because that was the big issue at Wisconsin was his proclivity for turning the ball over. It's just, if you go out there and you're a 55% passer, you know, especially at a place like Wisconsin where you're not asked to pass a whole lot, right? Volume wise, you'll be fine. You know, you won't be an all American. You won't be a top, you know, second, third round pick, but you, you won't actively hurt your team's chances of winning, which is kind of what, what he did. Um, you talked about David Napier kind of identifying him early on in the portal. And there's another guy that was in the transfer portal and was maybe loosely, maybe heavily uh, linked to some SEC schools to include Florida. And that would be Grayson McCall, who I am a big fan of. Is how much was if that was smoke, and how much was that a fire? Do you think, from what you know? Um, I do think a lot of interest was there uh, from Florida and and from other programs. I think what came out maybe there were some transfer grade class issues that maybe wouldn't transfer to some of the bigger schools there. I think that's ultimately what come out about Grayson McCall there. So yeah, he was one I identified earlier. Like, I'd I love him uh, in, in Gainesville, and look, um, if I'm Remember Michael Pratt, the two-lane quarterback? That was mm-hmm. very, very close to happening for Florida. Uh, and then he changed his mind at the very end to, stay, to stick with Tulane. But I was 
hearing behind the scenes, that was about as close to being done as it possibly could be for him to transfer to Florida. So the Grant Mertz thing really wasn't even supposed to take place because it was supposed to be Pratt from Tulane, and then he decided to stay. Uh, so Florida was going to go get a transfer quarterback uh, in any way, and it just ended up being Grant Mertz. Right, and, and I guess that's kind of what I was getting at is, like, was was you really think he was number one on their list of targets, no, I, I or know, is I, he just kind of the guy they settled for? Yeah, now, don't get me wrong. They, they liked him. He took his visit. It was a surprise visit to Gainesville. We didn't even know he was taking the visit. We're sitting there on Instagram one day, and Graham Mertz is taking a selfie picture or, or a picture He's of the, the stadium. Yeah, and we're like, oh, okay, here we go, Graham Mertz. Because I think he was supposed to be in Kentucky that weekend. We were here in because early on in the process, it was, hey, Graham Mertz and Kentucky are pretty close to maybe working something out. Uh, but then we see that he's in Gainesville, and it wasn't long after that that he transfers to Gainesville. But, I mean, A-OK for everything we hear so far uh, for, for, for Graham Mertz and, and off the field and, and learning the offense and, and selling the coaches on, uh, I know what to do, and I just need to go out there and do it. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see where it comes out. But, yeah, I just uh, – for, for, for me, it's, it's, it's hard to sit here and say for sure that he's going to be a much better quarterback than what we saw at Wisconsin. Do you think he finishes the year starting? Like, if, if he doesn't... Run, who you know, would like, back him I, up? I, That's I mean, my I question. Like, who would who, be the who, next guy? Who's Jack behind Miller. Yeah. yeah, Jack Miller, the guy who played in the bowl game, bowl game? Uh, for okay. Florida. And as you said, it's hard to take away anything from the bowl game. I'm not that mm-hmm. high on Jack Miller anyway. Uh, I'll, date back, I'll date that back to a year ago uh, when Florida brought him in as a transfer. He transferred from Ohio State. Uh, there's a lot of film on him. You know, Ohio State spring game, not much to point to. It was very disappointing in Florida spring game last year. As I said, I won't hold the bowl game against him all that much with a depleted roster. He was injured right. all year long and, yeah. and then had to go play that game. So yeah. I won't hold that against him. But paired with my already notion of him, it would take a lot for me to, to think that he could also go out there and improve so, Florida. To so you think they're riding with Mertz, period? Like, I think unless, so. Unless I he's just so. out for the year? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look, the the, the big storyline was, you know, Florida was supposed to have Jaden Rashada as a, as a true freshman, and we all yeah. know oh. that NIL deal that went wrong. Uh, you know, Mertz was going to be in, be the guy. If he wasn't the guy, then maybe you hand the keys off to a high-profile true freshman. Uh, but that high-profile true freshman no longer there for Florida. So, yeah, I think it's uh, – Live or die with Graham Mertz for the Gators in 2023. Mm, awesome. Well, uh, Eric, do you have any other questions for David before we take a quick break, and then we'll get into the Anthony Richardson conversation? Uh, I have one question. So I don't know if you've gotten a, a chance to listen to any past episodes, David, but we we did an awards show a few weeks back, our postseason awards show. And uh, one of our awards is the Conor McGregor Who the Fook Is That Guy Award. <laughs> Who the fuck is that guy? Uh, given to a player who kind of comes out of nowhere, makes an impact, uh, and goes from anonymous Joe to somewhat household name. So if you were make to a pick, guess, if you were going to pick a player on the 2023 Florida roster, hmm. who who is your likeliest candidate to be the Conor McGregor uh, of this upcoming season? Where maybe not a lot of fans know of him, but he he can come out and make an impact. That's a good one. I'm going to go. Gator fans would know because he was one of the higher-profile transfer players, but probably across the country and not know. I'm going to go Cameron Jackson, the defensive lineman they brought in from Memphis. Uh, really, I, he was double-team, triple-team there uh, at, at Memphis, and now he'll go to Florida where he can compete and and have more talent around him. And I think he goes Florida a very nice starting piece, very a Florida a very nice depth piece for up front that I think they've missed the last couple of years. Not a lot of depth up front for Florida on that defensive line, but I think they've developed some depth there over over the last couple of years. And now bringing him in uh, as a high profile transfer there from Memphis, I, I expect him to be an early instant impact 
player up there up front for Florida on the defensive line. So I'm a big fan of Cameron Jackson and what he can, what he's shown that he could do as potential uh, of getting double team, triple team there at Memphis. Uh, you know, some teams at, at that level, hey, they identify one player. Well, at least go go stop him. We may not stop anybody else, but we'll stop him. Now we would with some more talent around him at Florida. Maybe opposing offenses can't key on him so much. So I expect him to take advantage of the more talent around him at Florida. And I think he'll be a name we hear a lot of come this fall. Okay, and then scale one to ten, what what do you think uh, Trayon Webb's chances of being that Conor McGregor guy are this year? Because he's kind of uh, from the Jacksonville area near me. I watched him area. a little bit in yep. high school. I know of yep. him, and I think he, maybe not right away, but I think he does have a chance to be a really, really good player. I do too, but I think what hurts him was true freshman from last year, Trevor Etienne coming on the scene and just, mm-hmm. you know, for game one versus Utah, he was one of the top running backs uh, there for Florida and ended up being an all SEC freshman uh, at the running back position for Florida. So bring, you know, pair him with Montreal Johnson. Florida's already got two really yeah, good running backs. Only so many snaps to go around. So, yeah, only so many snaps to go around. And Trevor Etienne, as a true freshman last year, who was the guy who came out of nowhere, kind of hurts another true freshman's chances the very next year to do the same thing. So, and then Florida brought in Cam Carroll. Uh, Cam Carroll. There we go. Let me get that out. Uh, from Tulane, a running back there from Tulane to a lot of experience the last couple, uh, last few years for him as well. So three running backs to start spring in front of Webb. But yeah, like I'm from the Jacksonville area uh, right there. I can check out you know Trinity Christian and Trayon Webb uh, a good bit too. I, I do expect him to be, I mean, Billy Napier knows how to develop running backs, have an offensive line that can block for those guys as well. I do think Trayon Webb will eventually do some things, even, even in his freshman year, but I don't expect him to have that instant impact, true freshman appearance like Trevor ETN did a year ago. Okay, so based on snaps availability, it sounds yeah. like you're probably like a two or three. Yeah, for the for to put him on that level that you were, the, who, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Nah, yeah, two, about, about a two <laughs> okay. or three. Okay. Awesome. And one thing I do know about Jackson, I've seen that guy play a couple of times for Memphis and he comes, he, he's, he brings what Florida, like you say, has been missing. He comes with an attitude, you know, yeah, he's, he's nasty. Mean, he's mean, nasty dude. Like, you know, used to those double and triple teams. So, you know, bringing that kind of attitude to the locker room may be a big help for that defensive line. So we will see, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you to talk about uh, Anthony Richardson's draft stock because uh, whew, wow. Uh, just wow. <laughs> okay, NBA fans, it's time to bring hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Now, for me personally, I would throw down a little bit of money on Memphis here, minus 10 against Houston. Houston is terrible. That's just my personal opinion. 17 games this year they've won. They're just pitiful. So give me Memphis there, minus the 10. And if I'm going to throw down a parlay for the same game, I'm going to take Ja Morant over 27 and a half because I think it'll be a scoring fest for that dude. I, I don't see anybody in Houston's roster that can stop that guy. So that would be my same game parlay that I would throw down here. But for you guys to get in on some of this action now, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with promo code TPPN. Now, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply there. Void in Ohio. See show notes for the details. (laughs) 
right, welcome back to the South End Zone, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are with David Waters from Gators Breakdown, talking about Florida and their prospects uh, for 2023. Talked a little bit about that, talked about last season. Now we're going to dive into this conversation that has become extremely controversial, and I honestly just don't see it. So, Eric, I'm going to start with you, and we'll get to David here in a minute. Eric, talk to me about Anthony Richards' draft stock because, I mean, CBS Sports, okay, major media outlet. And I I understand that all of the pundits at CBS don't agree with this. I've heard a bunch of them come out and say, we don't agree. But CBS Sports tweets out, Anthony Richardson could be the number one overall pick in the draft. Yeah, and he he could. What? what? (laughs) Why? I don't know. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but sure, he could. It's, It's not impossible. So everything I've read on Anthony Richardson as far in terms of like what people, uh, you know, evaluator types think of him, a lot of them view all of his issues uh, in regards to passing accuracy as being fixable because a lot of them, and I'm not a quarterback coach. I'm not trying to be Todd McShay or anything. I'm just, a lot of people think that the inconsistency and inaccuracy stems from inconsistent footwork. And if an mm-hmm. NFL team thinks that they can, fix the footwork of a you know six five two hundred and forty pound dude with a an absolute howitzer of an arm who can by the way go run probably something like a four four five yeah they will if they believe they can fix the footwork issue then that means they believe they can fix the accuracy and if they can get him even to be a mediocre NFL passer because of his running ability he is going to be a valuable player so he'll go in the first round how high in the first round depends on you know, really what team has a lot of confidence that they can fix the footwork. Uh, would, would they be someone that you would think would know anything? I think he's got more stuff to fix than that. I, I don't really, and David, I, I want to get your take on this because you watched him quite a bit more than I did. I mean, I've kept up with him over the years. I've kept up with Florida since he's been there, but I have serious doubts about his ability to actually read an NFL level defense. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, look, he's only started 13 games, uh, so that's another thing teams think they can fix. Hey, look, maybe he just needs more experience as well. And as, as Eric said, the footwork is the biggest like thing they'll, they'll they look at and they and they pick apart. Maybe too many steps before he wants to you know launch that throw. Um, I know he, he's working right here in Jacksonville. Denny Thompson, uh, he, he's his quarterback trainer. He's worked with him the last couple of years, but now of course. Uh, I actually heard Denny speak today talking about the NFL Combine, and it's like, look, we've been nonstop since December 26th. You know, so I'm sure there are things that they've that they've heard, they've picked up on that Anthony Richardson needs to fix uh, there. And look, I'm sure a lot of that stuff probably gets overlooked until you start playing in football games. And now the, it's, at that point, it's too late to fix. You know, you're in a season; he's playing 13 <laughs> games. You can't yeah. go fix those small issues now, starting December 26th, if Denny or whoever else is watching Anthony Richardson. Hey, throughout the year, we noticed this was a problem. This was an issue. I'm sure they've worked on it for the last two months. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but how quick is that a fix? And as Eric said, you know, NFL teams are going to believe there's there's going to be one, two, three teams out there that believe they can fix it. I mean, he's going to be more than likely a top ten pick. I wouldn't draft him over number one overall. I honestly wouldn't. I don't know if I ever yeah. see him being, you know, a a. a, a uh, NFL, uh, an NFL quarterback that you that you can rely on. I mean, there's just we haven't seen enough at Florida. There's only 13 games to go by, and uh, as you said, it's so up and down. But some team's going to look at what he did versus Utah and what he did versus Tennessee and what he did at other points of the season and say, all right, 
that's the good Anthony Richardson. We compare that with our development, our fit. I mean, whoever drafts him, do not play him year one. You're setting you're setting him up. You're setting him up for failure. You're setting your team up for failure. I know some teams like to throw him out there, and maybe they can learn from experience. He he's not ready to go play in year one. So I, I do think if a team's going to draft him. Have a veteran that's in front of him. I've heard Seattle may, maybe in, in the mix there, and we'll see what happens with Geno Smith, and he can learn behind him. Um, Detroit with Jared Goff uh, might have some interest as well uh, there. They have two picks in the first round. Lately, I've been here, and they're not sure that he'll be there for their second pick, which I remember off the top of my head, maybe 19th or something like that. They, they don't think mm-hmm. he'll be there at 19th, so they may have to yeah, draft him with their first pick. It's, it's in the 20 range because they just yeah. missed the playoffs. So, I mean, right. they were a borderline playoff team. So their pick, uh, the Rams pick they got is is high. That's, a, yep. I believe, like a top six pick. But Right, uh, I think it's, I think it's this, six, like, yeah. So yeah, is that too early to, to, to draft him if they really want him? Carolina <laughs> seems to be the hot team that that, that you hear his name with. Uh, so look, there, there's multiple teams who knows what's true and what's being put out there. And, you know, this is lying season for, for, for draft talk, uh, right now, but you know, he was getting that label before the season. It went crazy. The week of Utah game, you were hearing it throughout the season, no matter how bad of a game he would play Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay saying, Hey, he's still one of the top quarterbacks on our draft board. He's definitely in the top four. Uh, oh, so, yeah. you know, uh we'll, so, we'll Levis, same thing, same, same thing, thing with thing. Will yep. Levis. He he goes out and looks like Spencer Petras for a game, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. top five on the big board, number one, hundred percent." I'm like, "What? How? How do you see? How do you watch this tape and say these dudes should go number one?" I, and I, maybe I'm in the minority, and maybe I'm too hard on the kid. Eric has a point if they can fix the stuff, but you don't take a dude in the first round that has issues that one, we don't even know if he can stay healthy for a full season because yep. he hasn't done it yet. Yep. And number two, he's got serious accuracy problems. We have doubts that he can read a defense. I mean, you're going to stick a guy in in the first round. And if you're picking in the top 10, your offensive line is most likely trash. And so now you're going to stick him behind a crappy offensive line and try to just let him run wild and do his thing. I don't see it. I would take yeah. him like third round as a developmental dude, you know, kind of like well, the Falcons did with Desmond Ritter, you okay. know, where they've got an established starter. I mean, that's what I would do. But okay, maybe I'm crazy. That maybe you are. There is a zero point zero percent chance that he is available past pick thirty one or whatever the first pick of the second round is. That's just how teams are going to look at him and they're going to say, "I can teach him to fix his footwork." Okay, you cannot teach anybody to be his size and his speed and his quickness and agility and have his arm. He he has traits that NFL teams cannot teach. Yeah. Yeah, and there's an aspect um, and of he has this flaws that they can fix. Yeah. So and then, and that's what they're seeing. With GMs, they don't want to be the one that missed Who passed them. on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that, that's the big thing. You know, there's so much potential there. And then somebody like, oh, see, it? well, I told you. And like, I mean, I can't think of a quarterback recently, and maybe it's because I'm so close to it, that they are saying has this potential, but also has the biggest question mark. I can't remember one. That has the biggest that this ceiling and this question mark at the same time. It's it's been a while since you've heard about a player, you've heard about a quarterback that I think is just polarizing. Most of the time, it's who would you pick? Pick for you know the draft the draft storyline is who would you pick over you know this guy or this guy. Right now, it's just would you pick Anthony Richardson because of this or not Anthony Richardson because of this? I mean, it's just it's, mm-hmm. it's a polarizing storyline for for one player here. 
I hope he goes out there and does well. I mean, I got to sign football by him. I hope he goes out there and, and blows it up and makes <laughs> that football worth some money. Uh, but yeah, I have I have my doubts too. You know, just based off of the the limited sample size we saw, he started thirteen games, uh, and just the inconsistency we saw throughout his whole career. Man, well, yeah, I'm glad you guys even see something because I'm not seeing it. I, I'm not buying it. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm crazy. Like I'm, you say, I'm, Eric, I'm not telling uh, you what I see. I'm telling you what I think NFL teams see. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they should call you for scouting because I phew, promise man. you that won't happen. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, but, they, uh, they draft up potential all the time. And that that's really what it is. Honestly, that yeah. that's what it is. It, it's it's potential, and they don't want they don't want to miss on you. Well, and he may be, you know, he may. I don't know if he's going to the combine or not, but if he does, he you is, know, and he's it, taking part in everything. He's throwing, yeah. he's doing everything there. So, well, and he's that, going to blow, and he's going to blow that out of the water. That's yeah. what I was going to say. That could actually yeah. do him a lot of good, given that he's such a freak athlete. You know, yeah. he could go and just like, you know, if he wows at the combine, then yeah, it wouldn't shock me for him to go really high. But yeah. man, you just you turn on the game film and you're like. See, I feel like okay, the, the team interviews are more important for him because his his athletic profile is is known, right? That's not yeah. some secret. Yeah. But I think where he has the chance to boost his quote unquote draft stock the most is the the team interviews where they sit him down and pull up the tape, and say, okay, what were you seeing on this play? What was yeah. this supposed to be? That to me is where he could go from you know pick twentieth to pick seventh. Because and let's, you know, let's start from I know he's going to be fast, year, and, yeah, and, and last year was a new throw. offense for him. You know, that's what I'm saying. He was playing 13 games as a as a starter last year. You know, 12 games as a starter, and it was a brand new offense for him too. So, you know, there's there, there's things to say. Okay, maybe there's some some reasons why he didn't take off as much as I thought he would last year. Uh, but yeah, there's there for all the questions. You know, there's it just gets outweighed by the potential that just somebody doesn't want to miss on him. I'd be happy to miss on him. Just saying. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Eric, do you got anything else for David before we let him get out of here? Um, I kind of do, actually, and it's All real right, quick. So this is a story that I've told on the pod to you and Timmy before, but it was during mm-hmm. an episode that we had to cut like 45 minutes out because we went on forever. And we've, we've alluded <laughs> this, to this. Is this the Spurrier? It is. And I figured <laughs> okay. David's here. This is a great time to tell it. Um, we've alluded to this story a couple of times, and a week before last, I got my third Twitter DM about like, Hey, what is this story about? Like, when are you going to actually tell this story that you keep referring to? And it's about the time that Steve Spurrier shot me the bird. Yes. This is a tough one. It'll take a while to get this one out of your system. Here's how that happened. Um, it's one of those, like, you're probably wondering how I, you know, ended up here. Um, so I, I live just North of the state line in Georgia, uh, up I 95 from Jacksonville. So four years ago, the Alliance of American Football started up. It was a spring football league, uh-huh. you know, USFL, XFL-ish. Um, and the Orlando Apollos were yep. a franchise. Their head coach was one Steve Spurrier. And I don't remember the exact details of how it happened, but there was some medical insurance issue that they ran into where basically they can't cover their players. Uh, it's something to do with the state law in Florida, and they figured out that Georgia's law is different. So if they conduct 51% or more of their team activities in Georgia, their players are covered uh, medically, Hmm. health insurance. So they kind of relocated to Jacksonville. They had these guys in hotels. And then twice a week, they would bus up here and, and practice at our high school stadium. And they moved in. And when I say they moved in, I mean, they had their, their logo painted on the wall outside the locker room. This sick ass logo. Um, they mo- They brought their own goalposts. They switched out the goalposts because pro goalposts are different. They're they're narrower and mm-hmm. taller. 
And at our high school stadium, there's to the south of it, there's a big dirt lot where people park on game nights. And then on the other side of that lot is the baseball complex. And our twin boys were freshmen that year. And I would have to go, you know, so they can't drive. They don't have anything to drive. Um, I'd have to go pick them up after baseball practice every afternoon at, you know, five o'clock, five fifteen, somewhere in there. Uh, usually the most inconvenient time possible in terms of when I'm cooking dinner. But you know, I'd see them out there a couple times a week practicing. And I'm not the world's smartest man, but I am clever enough to to notice an obvious trend. I'd be like, oh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? And sometimes I'd go out there a little early and just kind of watch practice. You can hear him out there barking at people. And one day, and I'm not sure exactly what got into me, but I figured, hey, he he seems like the kind of guy who appreciate appreciates some good teasing. So um, <laughs> I grab my phone before I leave the house. I live about a mile from the stadium is all. And I queue up a song on, on, I actually pulled up a YouTube video. And as I'm pulling into the parking lot at the stadium, driving by, uh, throwing the old aux cord. And I, uh, when I say I crank up the stereo in my truck, I'm, I'm talking, I had it at like 57, like it <laughs> hurt. And I roll down all the windows and drive by nice and slow because the, the end zone's open so you can see in and out. And I crank up Rocky Top <laughs> and I kind of stop and slow down. I'm looking, he, he's, I can see him. He's, he's at probably like the 20 or 25 and he's faced away from me. He kind of turns over and looks at me for a second and then goes back to what he was doing. And I'm still jamming <laughs> and he kind of looks, looks over his shoulder again. And I wave and he sort of shakes his head, sticks his arm up. And gives me the middle finger and then turns around and goes back to what he was doing. And that was my side. I turned it off by then. I, I mean, I've had a lot of people flip me off in my life. Uh, that is, that is the one I've most enjoyed out of all of them. There we go. Yeah. So that's my Steve Spurrier story. I just, he stayed so 100% on brand that I just, I really, really respected it. <laughs> Finds uh, Steve Spurrier, not, not very fond of Georgia and Tennessee. No, I'm surprised they actually like got him into the state to practice. <laughs> well, all right. So enough of Eric's uh, Steve Spurrier flipping him the bird stories. Well, David, we appreciate so much for you taking the time to come on and talk about Florida football with us. Uh, where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC and uh, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter as well at Gators Breakdown right out there on Facebook as well. So upload all the episodes, get my thoughts and stuff there when I'm not on an episode. And I'll throw them out there on Twitter at the same time. So, yeah, uh, good stuff, and thanks for having me, guys. All right. I appreciate it, Dave. Yep, thanks for coming on. All right, well, you uh, that is going to wrap us up for the week, and you guys can follow us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And we will be back with you next week uh, talking to a high school coach about some recruiting, NIL, all that good stuff. So uh, we'll have that show for you next week. But uh, until then, everybody stay safe, take care, and we will talk to you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day.